Good morning. Uh, you might be wondering a couple things in seeing me up here this morning. One is if you were here last week, you're thinking this preacher is much shorter than our preacher last week. Uh, and that president of LCU was tall, right? He was great to have him here. He was tall. Or you might be wondering, uh, that's not Alan up there. Or Alan's hair color has changed substantially uh, in the week. But um, Alan's been, he's here this morning with us, but he's been off for a couple weeks, getting some much needed just rest and time away and time with the Lord. And so I get, he asked me to, to preach this morning. I'm excited to have an opportunity to share with y'all this morning. Uh, the first thing I want to ask you is, what is this? You're wrong. It's not a box. This is a giant castle that must be defended by, uh, from a dragon that's attacking it. It's a, it's a sled that we can move through this icy wonderland. It's an obstacle to go over in an obstacle course. Anything is possible when we imagine it. And who hasn't had like an imaginary friend that they played with growing up? Anyone? Someone still, I still to this day miss my imaginary friend that I had when I was younger. Imagination is this powerful thing that each and every one of us has. And we love it. We celebrate it in our children. We encourage their imagination and love it when our kids come up with these huge adventures and, and beautiful dreams that they create. For Christmas a couple years ago, uh, we got Lucy this giant dollhouse. Uh, and I spent all Christmas putting it together, all the little pieces together, covered it up. And then on Christmas morning, we revealed the dollhouse to her. And Lucy was so excited to see it. She ran up to it. She was playing with it. And then she looked at me and said, Dad, can I ask you a question? And I said, yeah, what is it? I'm thinking like she's going to say something to me like, thank you so much, Dad. I love it. And you're just the best dad for doing this beautiful thing for me. And what she asked me was, did this come in a box? Is it still here? Can I play with that box? Imaginations are a beautiful thing in our children. And at some point as adults, our imaginations change a little bit. Uh, maybe, uh, maybe more than changing, they get kind of pushed down or snuffed out of us by the world or other adults. But, but something happens. Have you ever heard someone say, don't daydream or get your head out of the clouds, get back to reality? Our imaginations seem to get a little bit smaller as we grow up and we become more serious, more logical, more realistic. And maybe what actually happens is our imaginations don't get smaller, they just change a little bit, right? Uh, how do you find your imaginations working right now? So for me, I spend a lot of time having imaginary conversations with somebody, right? Like <laughs> conversations where I, that I want to have, so maybe some, something I would never say in real life, but in my imaginary conversation, I'll say it to you, I'll mean it, and I'll get everything out that I want to say. That might never come to, come to fruition in real life, but I'll spend a lot of time having an imaginary conversation with somebody. We might spend a lot of time asking questions of what if. We spend these imaginations uh, run wild with what if this would have happened? How, how would my life be different if only I had done this this way? Oh, if I'd only said that, then this would be different and my life would be better and things would be different. Our imaginations can be used to take us just down these rabbit trails of what ifs, of regret, of wishing we had done something different. The imagination, something we all have access to, is a pretty neutral thing within itself. It's not a good thing or a bad thing just in itself, but the way that we use our imaginations can either build us up, build others up, or be something that really is negative and tears ourselves or others down. And so today I want to spend a, a little bit of time uh, exploring a way to use our imaginations to help us join in the work of God in this world. And I want to talk specifically about something called missional imagination. 
So missional, let's start with that, is this word that in the church world is kind of gets thrown around a lot. We use it for a lot of different things. It's become somewhat of a buzzword over the years. Everything's missional. But I want to put some meat on that word for us today, missional. So the definition I want to use as we're talking about missional is living, thinking, and acting as one sent for the sake of God's glory, his mission, and his kingdom. It's existing in a way uh, that, that we live and we act into this mission of God in the world, the mission of bringing heaven down to earth, of restoring this world to be that which God always intended, a world where all people are redeemed by God, a world full of love and joy and peace, forgiveness, hope, comfort, and life, and life in the full. The mission of God is this deep and wide thing. It's an all-encompassing mission that seeks to redeem God's creation, his people, and bring heaven down to earth. And God's working out his mission. God is at work in this world. He's been doing it since the beginning of time, since creation. God's been at work, creating Adam and Eve in this world that we live in, walking among them. And it wasn't until Eve was asked to imagine a world where that she was on the same level as God, where she knew what God knew and eat that fruit, that the fall happened and everything changed. But after that, God continues about his work, his mission, right? In the, in the form of choosing these people, the Israelites, and walking alongside of them, guiding them, leading them, protecting them, providing for them, punishing them, and forgiving them. God continues his work, his mission in the world. And as, as he sends his son Jesus into this world to bring about the fulfillment of the law, to bring, teach us about the kingdom of God coming down to earth, God is at work becoming human himself and living among us. He's about his mission in this world. And when he leaves this world, the Holy Spirit is given to us, right? To indwell in each and every one of us, to guide us and to continue that work of his mission. The triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit have been going about doing the mission of God throughout time. God has a mission in this world, and although sometimes it can be difficult to see it happening, he's alive, he's active, and he's hard at work. There's a mission of God in this world, and it's, a, it's a, the big picture of how the triune God is actively at work in this world. And there's this Latin term that we use for that mission, the people called the missio dei, the mission of God, his all-encompassing big picture view of the mission of God in this world. In John chapter 5, 17, Jesus tells the Jewish leaders uh, that are questioning him about working on the Sabbath. John chapter 5, verse 17, he says, In his defense, Jesus said to them, My father is always at his work to this very day, and I too am working. Even on the Sabbath, Jesus was letting people know that God is at work. God's doing his work. He doesn't take breaks. He doesn't sit back and just let the world run on autopilot just to see kind of how things play out. Our God is alive and active and he's always at his work. Amen. And that work happens inside of each and every one of us like we talked about during communion, but that work's happening outside of us as well. It's happening in this world around us. I even see, I think it happens, believe it happens in non-Christians and people who don't believe God is at work. The Holy Spirit is working in their lives and in this world around us. And I know he is because I see it in scripture. I see when Moses comes before Pharaoh and asks for God to let his people go, it's God that hardens Pharaoh's heart. It's God that does a work within Pharaoh right there to bring about his mission. 
And we see it in uh, Saul who's persecuting the Christians and God comes and does a work within Saul. Unlikely people, people that you wouldn't think God was doing a work in, but he is at work. So I see it in this world too, that God's at work outside of us, outside of even his people sometimes. So Monty Tuttle works for Eastern European Missions. And Monty is uh, Jim, my father-in-law's brother. And he's Kristen's uncle. And we all work together here at GCR. There's a lot of family relationships happening there. Uh, He works for Eastern European Missions. Some of you uh, have heard him speak in a class uh, here at GCR. And he tells these stories of uh, refugees leaving their country, coming to a place like Greece or somewhere in Eastern Europe and receiving the word of God, scripture in their language, many of them for the first time. And just the life transformation that happens in that person when they receive the word of God. And I have to believe God's doing a work within that person before they even have read about him in scripture. He's doing a work in them so that they're ready to receive the word of God when they, when they get it. Uh, from EEM or wherever it is. God's at work in us and he's at work outside of us. He's always at work. His, his missio day, right? His mission, his deep and wide all-encompassing mission of redeeming this world is at work. And we get the privilege of seeing that mission at work and then being a part of it. So it's missions, right? Missional is missions. It's evangelism. It's serving others. It's living a life that points to Christ. Uh, and it's all of those things. But I want to be clear, the mission of God isn't something that we bring about in this world. That the mission of God is, God is at work and he's actively working in this world. And sometimes we can maybe have the boldness to think that when I go to a place, when, when the church goes to a place, we're bringing the mission of God there. And I want to caution us not to see the mission of God in that way as something we bring because God's alive and at work. He goes before us and he's doing a work there. We get to go and be a part of that. We get the privilege of, of going into where God is already at work, where the, the program's already in, in process, right? And we get to be a part of that work. It's, it's a privilege that we get to do that. So missional imagination comes in here because sometimes it is hard to see God at work in this world, right? Sometimes it takes some imagination to see the world, to imagine a future where the kingdom of God is, is in this place more fully, right? Where, where there's more peace and hope and love and joy in this world. Sometimes seeing that takes a lot of imagination. Yes, in this world that we live in, we have to allow our minds to be open to that thought, this broken and sinful and corrupt world can be just as it is in heaven, And Jesus knows this. Jesus knows that we need some help sometimes. And so he uses imagination and storytelling in the gospels. All throughout the gospels, we see Jesus using parables, these imaginary stories, these imaginary situations to teach us, to pull us into his mission and his kingdom. And we could pick any number of of parables to look at this morning, but I wanted to just hone in on one parable and... uh, and look at that one this morning. It's one we all know pretty well. It's the Good Samaritan. So if you got your Bibles open to Luke chapter 10. We know this story really well, but I want us to look at it through this lens of how this parable really speaks to this idea of missional imagination. So starting in verse 25, on one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? 
What is written in the law? He replied, how do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? And in reply, Jesus said, I'm gonna add this, imagine that a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead, broken, sinful, corrupt, depraved world, right? That's this world that we live in, robbed and left for dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day, he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper, Look after them, he said, and when I return, I'll reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. And Jesus told him, go and do likewise. This story, this imaginary story, right, about a Jewish man that gets robbed and then is cared for by the most unlikely of people, a Samaritan, someone that should have been his enemy, and Jesus tells this story and he asks us to imagine a world where we see others as our neighbors, where we're looking out for how we can care for and help and bring comfort to fellow human beings, regardless of their background, their race, their creed, their status, anything. Imagine what our world would be like if we had the same mentality of the Good Samaritan, what, were hap what would happen if you were on the lookout for ways to serve others? If your thoughts throughout the day were imagining how you could bring healing and comfort to those around you. In our world, we spend so much time uh, trying to win, trying to get ahead, to, to be better than someone else, or, or even taking whole groups of people and demonizing them and, and thinking they're not someone we need to be in community with or, or, or give care or concern to. Imagine if we offered help and love and comfort, comfort without any preconditions, right? We didn't look at someone and question their motives, questioned who they were, but we just gave them love and care without any questions asked. What would it look like in this world to be good neighbors to one another in this world so broken by sin? Jesus loves using imagination, right? His parables wake us up from a logical and linear way of seeing the world and challenge us to act in a way that brings the gospel into this world in real and tangible ways. And Jesus often doesn't even take the time to, to explain some of his parables or, or short imagine, imaginative scenarios that he gives uh, because he knows that it's more powerful for us to place ourselves into that scenario, put that, expound that into our world world and then imagine ourselves within that. He knows that imagination is a powerful tool, more powerful than any explanation he could give in that moment. When we see these stories through a lens of joining in the work of God in the world, we imagine what the world would be like, what it could be like. We imagine ourselves in the story and our imagination can then become reality. You know, I showed Willy Wonka at the beginning because he's He's a great theologian, right, in what he says and how he acts. He, he's saying, I mean, 
he's talking, sings this song, which is like borderline creepy, I realize, in, in what he's doing, but <laughs> sings this song about pure imagination and encourages us to like, if you want to view paradise, simply look around and view it. Uh, if you want to change the world, there's nothing to it. And I think we can take something from that. There's something about the way that our, our minds work and how, we, uh, how that is manifested then in transformation in our lives. We'll open up to Romans chapter 12. It's a, this is a, a famous line here from Romans, but in Romans chapter 12, we read, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Transformed by the renewing, renewing of our minds. Renewing of our mind. What is that? It's about what's happening in our heads, right? Is our mind working to tear ourselves down, to sit in shame and guilt? Is it working to tear others down in our life? Is it focusing on the evil and the negativity that exists in the world? And by doing so, it paralyzes us to, to do anything about that, to act, to be a part of the mission of God. Or is, it, is our mind set on things above? Philippians 4.8, whatever's true, whatever is noble, whatever's right, pure, lovely, admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Our minds should be working to see God's will, to hear his voice, to see the kingdom of God breaking through in this world. And I think part of renewing our minds is this imaginative, uh, missional imagination. We gotta take control of our thoughts and imagine ourselves living and acting as agents of God's mission in hopes that our lives and actions will be transformed. And I, I, I don't wanna, I had the fear of sounding a little too like new agey here and, and like uh, manifest your destiny or eat, pray, love, something like that. But I think there's something to why Paul calls for us to renew our minds and challenge us to always be aware of what's going on in our minds. If we can imagine ourselves living and acting in a certain way, I think it gives us a better chance of living and acting in that way in, what did Jay say, the real world, the real world we come into. I think it makes a difference if we're using our, our thoughts and our imaginations to see ourselves offering kindness to that person that, that we really want to be imagining those, those difficult or uh, truthful maybe conversations that we're having with them. Our minds really do lead us into action. The thoughts we have lead us into the actions we do. So we need to use our minds to imagine actions that are in line with the mission of God, his redemptive and life-giving mission. And I think we're trying to, to do that here at GCR. I think we've been trying to do that, especially over the last couple of years with, with Breakthrough. Uh, we've talked about uh, the fist bump crew, which is a simple thing of getting fist bumps to kids. But what's happening is we see God at work. We see his mission taking place in some of the best mission fields out there, our schools. We see that he's doing something there at Emerson Elementary, and we just want to be present and be there and be used by God and his mission in that place. And I don't know what that looks like, but I think over the, the months that we do it, we're going to see what that is, how God's going to use us in his mission there. I was really encouraged this past Wednesday night at our first midweek. We had almost 40 uh, people come to the Spanish class that uh, Elvira taught. And we're doing that in order to be a better neighbor, to be missional in this place, because God's doing a work. We see God at work in this city, bringing so many Spanish speakers here, and we want to be able to be a part of that. So we're taking, so we're learning Spanish, and there are about 40 of us doing that last Wednesday, and that was really encouraging. 
Another way that uh, we're trying to use our imaginations to be missional uh, is with t- looking at where God's at work and how we can use the resources that we have to really make an impact. So it's September right now, and Harvest Party that we normally do is coming up in October. And we've done Harvest Party at GCR for years. Actually, GCR was one of the first uh, places to have a harvest party, a trunk or treat here in Midland at a time where there wasn't a really great uh, other uh, trick or treating alternatives. GCR stepped in to really fill that need for the community and provide that here. And harvest party has been such an awesome thing over the years here at GCR. Some great things have happened out of because of harvest party, and it's been really, really good. We're looking at this year and thinking of what what we were going to do for our harvest party, and we thought. How can we use the resources we have to really make an impact somewhere where God is at work, where we see the mission of God playing out? And one of the first things that came to mind for us was Family Promise, one of our community partners. God's really doing a work there at Family Promise. He's keeping families together, one. And when you're homeless and looking for shelter, oftentimes the family unit gets split up. Not a lot of places will keep the entire family together. They'll send the men or the women and children somewhere else. And Family Promise keeps the family together. They're trying to pull people out of homelessness and and give them financial stability and independence and walk alongside them for years at a time sometimes to get them into a good place, to stay together as a family, to have a home, to be financially uh, independent. And we're seeing what God's doing there and thinking, man, we want to be more a part of that mission there. We want to put more of our people just in that place where God is doing something really amazing. So this year, what we've decided to do for Harvest Party is take Harvest Party out of our building and take it to Family Promise. Harvest Party's left the building, right? We are going to go there and do our trunk or treat, do games, serve food to the families at Family Promise and really invest in the time we have there, two hours to really get to know and connect with the people that are there and what God is doing in that place. We have uh, gotten really good at spending a few seconds with like a thousand people that come through our parking lot, but we want to spend two hours with these 60 people, really getting to know them and connecting with them and serving them at Family Promise. And so we're going to try doing that this year. We're going to do something a little different than having a harvest party here at the building that's open to the community. We're going to spend two hours feeding, hanging out with, uh, blessing those children, blessing the families at our harvest party this year. It's going to be on the same time that we do it. Normally, so that's the Sunday before Halloween, October 29th. I'm excited about the, this change. Like I said, we're trying something new this year. It might not be what we do every year, but this year Harvest Party is going to leave the building and go serve at Family Promise. And we need all of y'all to be a part of that. Uh, and you can go to our website right now, the events on the events page. You can sign up to do a trunk, to help with food, to just roam around and connect with the families, to, to help with the games. It's going to be a lot of fun. I think it's going to be something that is more missional. We're really intentional about how the, we're joining in the mission of God. It fits our vision really well. And I'm really excited about that change for Harvest Party. And it really was born out of this idea of missional imagination. How, what, what could we do? Let's imagine something we could do that could really join in the mission of God in this world. So sign up for that. I'm excited to see how that impacts family promise, but also how it impacts each and every one of us as well that gets to be a part of it. So I think GCR is trying to, to put ourselves in places where God's at work. How can, how can you cultivate missional imagination in your life right now? We are 
too quick to have an imagination around very selfish and self-serving ends. So how can we cultivate missional imagination to creatively join in the work of God in this world. And I've got three things to suggest to you today that could help us be more uh, missional and cultivate that missional imagination. The first one is to open your eyes to where God's at work. Uh, we, we say for we live in a really broken world and it can be hard sometimes to see the mission of God taking place in front of us. So we need to get better at being aware of it, be able to call it out and say, there's the mission of God, uh, practice it. So uh, I wanna suggest uh, a way in which you can, can grow in this, can get better at this, practice this. And it's a spiritual discipline, a spiritual practice called examine. It's an ancient Christian practice that's been around for a long time. And the, the basis of it is you're gonna take a moment at the end of your day, at the end of your day, if you've gone through all of the events of the day, take a moment and just relive, rethink through the events of the day. Who did you talk to? What did you hear? What, what did you say? Where were you? What spaces were you in? Just walk through the day in your mind, sp paying sp specific attention to what God was doing in you and around you throughout the day. Was there a moment where uh, the mission of God was on display? Was there a moment where you felt like you were really living into that and offering forgiveness or comfort or hope to someone? Pay attention to that. Was there a moment where maybe there was a moment where you could have joined in the mission of God? You saw that happening and didn't quite did, pay attention to that. Walk through your day paying specific attention to where God is at work and trying to point that out. If we do that, practice that, uh, that discipline of examine, when we're actually in the moment, we're more likely to be able to say, God's at work here. God's doing something here. I need to pay attention to this. We, we are training our minds to see the work of God in the world. I would even flip that on its head a little bit and encourage you in the mornings to sit down with your schedule, the calendar you have for that day, and imagine yourself walking through that day. How do you want to be an agent of the mission of God in the meetings that you're going to go to? What, what kind of attitudes do you want to bring to the conversations that you have with, with your friends or neighbors? Imagine yourself going through your day and being an agent of the mission of God in that. So open your eyes to where God's at work. Number two, I encourage us to invite the Holy Spirit into our day. If it's the Holy Spirit that's guiding us, that's leading us, that, that's propelling us into the mission of God, then we need to be more aware of its presence, be more uh, attuned into his leading in our life. And so I wanna offer another Christian practice, another way in which to be inviting the Holy Spirit into your day with you. And that's with something called a breath prayer, all right? It's a really simple way of praying that kind of be, uses our breath, our inhale and our exhale. So just right now, become aware of your breathing in and out. And as you breathe in and breathe out, we're just gonna put a short phrase to eat the inhale and to the exhale. And we pray that prayer over and over again with our breath. So we'll use these words. So on the inhale, Holy Spirit, be with me. Use me in the mission of God as you exhale. So that could be a prayer you pray as you breathe just throughout the day. So you're, becoming, you're inviting the Holy Spirit into, that day, into your day, into that moment, asking to use you in the mission of God. And as you're going about our day and we're, we're getting distracted by other things, every time you become aware of your breath, just repeat those, that prayer over and over. And you can change it. You can change those words to a short phrase that you just put with the inhale and exhale of your breath in order to refocus you, in order to keep inviting the Holy Spirit into your day with you. 
the more we're in tune with the leading of the Holy Spirit, the more we're going to see God at work, the more we're going to jump in and be a part of that. Open your eyes to where God's at work. Invite the Holy Spirit into your day. And then third, and in my mind, maybe most importantly, the thing we need to leave here believing is that God can and will use you. And we get too, uh, we, we convince ourselves very easily that we're not good enough, that we don't know enough, we don't have the right things to say, that God can't use us. And by doing so, we let the enemy win, right? Because we've taken ourselves out of that mission of God in the, whatever context you're in, and because we believe that we can't be used. I, I've, dealt, I've struggled with this just this last couple weeks. Alan asked me to preach over a month ago. I said, sure, I'll preach. Uh, and then two weeks ago, I just, no, last week, I convinced myself that I couldn't do it, that I didn't have words to say. I'd written much of this, and I was like, I don't have the words. I'm not good enough. I, I love this church family so much. They deserve something better than what I have to offer them on this Sunday. And I convinced myself that I couldn't be used by God. And, and so much so that I asked Jim last week to preach for me this Sunday because I felt like I couldn't do it. And he said he would. And he, we were, for two days, we were planning on Jim being up here. And Friday night, I'm sitting at home. Kristen was out of town. The kids were in bed, and I'm just alone. And I had this pit in my stomach because I had sat there and written this thing out saying, man, we need to believe that God can use us. And I was sitting there convincing myself that God couldn't use me. And so I, I I called, I talked to Jim the next day. And I said, man, I think I, I think I need to preach. Not because the message I have is like the most life shattering thing, but because I need to practice what I would want to encourage all of you to do. And that is believe that God can and will use you. And not only that he will, but he wants to. He wants to use each and every one of us to be a part of his mission in this world. Um, I think nothing delights him more than when we see the mission of God and we get to plug into that and be a part of God's mission. And so I want to encourage you to, to join me in the hard work of believing that truth that God can use you. Don't convince yourself that you're not good enough, that there's, don't let shame or guilt hold you back from being a part of the mission that God is doing in this world. Don't let the enemy win by sitting on the sidelines and not being a part of the work of God. So I want, to, I want to encourage everyone here to let your creativity run wild and see how you can join in the work of God in this world. Don't settle for what you've always done or allow fear to keep you from becoming a part of the work of God. Think outside the box. Where do your gifts and passions and the mission of God intersect and find your work there? God, through the Holy Spirit, has gifted each and every one of us so uniquely and placed you exactly where you are so that you can propel the mission of God forward right in the context of where you are right now. And I would love to talk to, to you about how we can get you involved in the mission of God and some of our community partners. So talk to me if that's something you're interested in doing. But more than that, I'd love for you to imagine how you can use your gifts in the context that you're in right now to propel the mission of God forward. So may God's kingdom come and may we get to play a small part in that and may it be here as it is in heaven. Amen. Let's stand and sing.